feedback is here. We appreciate it. Less chiming in, less is more with us. Yes, we had to do that, even though it's just one S for less. Less is more. Man, that's going to hurt. The injury to Trayvon Diggs of the Dallas Cowboys. We need all the help we can get on defense. You outlined why you would agree with that earlier, Trey, mentioning that he is the guy that's in the best position to take advantage of a lot of the pressure that Micah Parsons creates and the early throws that pop up. And I don't dispute that, but I still am of the belief that it's the pass rush that's key to that. Maybe it's my Philadelphia Eagle bias coming in and the sense that I believe so much is actually keyed on what you do up front. Uh, It's not good for Dallas to lose Trayvon Diggs, but it's not the biggest injury they can sustain. He was their, what, third most important player? Uh, I'd say so behind Dak. I mean, if Dak's Dak not and there, Micah. like yeah. I, I, I not no. Micah Parsons is the game wrecker. I just think about it like this. I would if when the Cowboys play the Philadelphia Eagles, because I have because of the weapons that Philadelphia has, I think he bumps up to maybe their most important player because if he could shut down AJ Brown or, or Devontae Smith, that would help Micah Parsons. Because to be fair. Micah Parsons is going to primarily go against, what, Lane Johnson, who's the best right tackle in football. So uh, I think in those games, you look at the matchups, like he might be more important. Um, maybe not as much against San Francisco, but you're, you're looking at, you know, when you need a guy to make a play, you, you're going to need a guy to cover A.J. Brown. And the Dallas Cowboys now don't have a guy to cover A.J. Brown. I would agree with that for the most part. The flip side is obviously which version of A.J. Brown are you getting? Are you getting the dominant one or are you okay. getting the pounty version Devontae from Smith. Okay, <laughs> now I, I will I mean, agree. Devontae I mean, Smith, you're getting the professional version every time. The upside is greater for Brown, but the going into a shell because he's disgruntled A.J. Brown, not nearly as good. Uh, I, the flip side to me is, is if, if Dallas just kept putting – uh, Micah Parsons, if they do the center thing, Jason Kelsey, I think, is good enough to be able to match the athleticism of Micah Parsons. And if they throw him against a healthy and in gear Lane Johnson, not the early season version, uh, I think Lane Johnson can handle Parsons because he's shut plenty of them down. But there is vulnerability, particularly off the left side of the Eagles offensive line with Jordan Mailata, who is an above average left tackle, but he's not on the elite level. And I think Dallas has got a head-to-head advantage in that particular matchup if they move Dak Prescott around. Uh, But Les does add another concern that he's confident Dallas can beat Philadelphia as a Cowboys fan because of the streak of no back-to-back division titles in the NFC East since 2003-2004 when Philadelphia was in the Andy Reid era. But he adds, Dak still needs to have somebody to at least be a threat as competition for a job. It's a make-or-break year for Dak to be able to elevate the Cowboys like he's done early in the season. Two 12-win seasons, but not even close to the Super Bowl, and I'm a fan, but Dak's decision-making and his play at the end of the year have been horrible. I put most of those interceptions last year on Dak Prescott because of bad decisions, and I am worried that that could still pop up. Uh, I still agree with him. Uh, I don't agree with Les's theory that Trey Lance is a viable replacement to Dak Prescott. If Dak gets injured, I still think Dallas is in a world of trouble in a way that makes it much more insurmountable than the injury to Trevon Diggs, which is big, but not on that particular level for the Dallas Cowboys. Because we mentioned what Parsons can do to still wreck the game anyway. And, okay, there may be another cornerback to at least make plays or at least they're incompletions because of Parsons if he doesn't get the sack. Whereas if you don't have somebody to pilot the offense, 
This could look a lot like some of those teams, Philadelphia in 92 even, where they had a dominant defense, but quarterback play was so bad that it ended up costing them. And that, to me, is kind of Trey Lance. It's like Randall Cunningham. Great highlights, but the inconsistencies are so bad, you know you're just not going to be able to win. Whereas with Dak, if you get the game manager version, plus playmakers on offense, and Mike McCarthy's better play calling, plus the defense, it can be a good thing. Um, Speaking of things that are good, it's good to have rivalries. It's good to have a level of spice. But people actually have to care about it. And that's the biggest concern that I have for the NC State-Virginia matchup tomorrow night. Because, I mean, it's not a shock here, but I think we're entering the point now with Virginia 0-3 and on the year. They have looked like they've been in spots where their pieces to shine, but it still feels like they're so far off from being a team that can at least be competitive down the stretch. They have not been in the fourth quarter in two of their three losses, and the other, they blew a 12-point lead coming out of a weather delay that we're on the brink of a level of apathy for Virginia that causes fans to maybe not even care about the reception that Brennan Armstrong will get. And I don't think you fault Brennan Armstrong for this. I think the mutual parting for Brennan Armstrong and Virginia actually made a lot of sense. In the sense that Armstrong has really only shown he can succeed with Robert and I, the offensive coordinator. And even then... Maybe Anais needed some checks and balances of knowing what to do in short yardage situations or goal to go with the game on the line. <laughs> Virginia Tech, pass to the left tackle. But Brennan Armstrong, I don't think, ever really did anything more than give as much as you could expect a player to give for UVA. As he mentioned when we spoke with him at the ACC football kickoff in an interview you can hear in its full at Fast Lane Ed Lane where you listen to podcasts. Oh, I mean, like, I knew I was going to get questions about it, right? And that was a part of my journey. That's where I first started. That's where I wanted to end. Just didn't work out that way. And shoot, I, I'll, I'm always going to be a, a Wahoo. Always will be. Um, and so I'm, I'm super proud to talk about it. I'm, not, I'm never, never afraid to talk about the time at Virginia. It's just I had a, I felt like this was the right decision career-wise for football that I'm you know trying to step into. Um, and that's why I just made it. So hopefully no one is too you know heartbroken about the decision because I thought I gave everything I had to, to Virginia. I think as a player, he absolutely did. The buy-in to the Tony Elliott thing, it's legitimate to question that on a couple fronts. One, whether Brendan Armstrong ever bought into what Tony Elliott was selling. Because it never seemed like he did. Never seemed comfortable at any point last year. Never seemed like he was ready to change his game and maybe go with the more pro-style approaches to the more unscripted, let's move around, create plays, gunslinger mentality. He's got a little bit of Brett Favre, albeit with not the ridiculous decision-making in the clutch. He leaves that to Dr. Bob, the offensive coordinator from UVA, now with NC State. But he mentioned, Brennan Armstrong did when we spoke with him at the ACC football kickoff, that he felt like ultimately because of the just philosophical differences that he had to leave. Yeah, it's part of my journey. It stinks that it went out the way it did. And I, you know, yeah, just the the low we went out on, it kind of stinks. But... I look back onto it. I feel like I, like I said, I gave everything I had. Um, and I just feel like the timing with it being a low point wasn't great. But at the same time, I thought I gave everything. So I thought it was the right decision for me to go. I don't dispute any of that for Brennan Armstrong. And again, I don't know if he ever schematically bought into what the offense was selling with coordinator Des Kitchings and head coach Tony Elliott at Virginia. But there's the other parts of this. <laughs> Can you blame him? I mean, Trey, that seems like a most simple question of all. He didn't buy in, and it's ultimately the players where you expect them to buy in, and I just never felt like he did, and that's not really being a team player when you want that. But 
there is the can you blame him question that goes into that. And that's where I think a lot of Virginia fans actually can sympathize with Brennan Armstrong. Why? The ones that are there in Charlottesville, I don't think will give him a cold reception. It's not like they're going to introduce offensive coordinator Robert and I for him to be booed by fans, which I think would be the reaction there. But the other part is, Brett Friedlander mentioned he expects a lot of NC State fans because there's concern, I think it's justified, about the level of apathy as Brett Friedlander from SaturdayRoad.com addressed with us yesterday in the fast lane. I still think it's tough. It's tough to make a change right now. I mean, like I said, given the way Tony Elliott handled things in November and the way he kind of just the compassion he showed, the way he just kind of just kind of kept things together, I, I, I think that that lends itself to, to giving him a little bit more time than you would normally, you know, see him get in a situation like this. I, I, I think it buys him at least one more year after this. It buys him one more year, sure. But I think we're at that dangerous point for Virginia, and, and we'll have plenty more time to get to this, where the apathy has already started to build. It was not the best end to the Bronco Hall era. A lot of folks, and I don't dispute this, believe Mendenhall in Virginia should have beaten Virginia Tech more than once during that six-year run. I would absolutely agree. They should have beat them on the fumbled snap in overtime in Blacksburg in 2019. They should have beat them the year of the stupid pass to the left tackle that Bronco Mendenhall never nixed. Should be doing 2019 and 2021. Thank you. And they did get, excuse me, they should have won in 2018. They won in 2019. Game didn't happen in 20. Yeah, well, they played in 20, but it was quirky because of COVID. It wasn't. They still should have beat them in 20 and 21. Correct. That's the ultimate takeaway from all of this. And that's where I think fans, ultimately, there's not vitriol to Armstrong because while they may not like it, there's so much disdain for where the program is, it overshadows that. More on that with our picks tomorrow for the game and more Friday in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.